Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery, or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health, but also saving us time, money, and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice, so you don't have to. So welcome to Prevention Hacks. Today we've got um, Conjoint Associate Professor Colm Cunningham uh, from the University of New South Wales School of Public Health uh, and Community Medicine. Uh, Colm, welcome. You are the Director of the Dementia Centre and an international thought leader in dementia. Um, you have a, uh, you're a visiting fellow uh, in dementia design and practice at the University of uh, Edinburgh School of Health and Social Science. Uh, welcome to Prevention Hacks. Lovely to be here. Um, dementia and aging is a huge uh, topic for our community. Um, a lot of our listeners, a lot of our uh, patients and members in the Asana service uh, are in their senior years. And, and so maybe our first question would be, um, with the broader aging population, are there ways to reduce the onset of dementia? Well, I think there's ways to look after your health that are going to help you either reduce some risks or manage things if uh, things are changing. A good example of that is uh, that our hearing is one area that we know uh, can be an indicator um, of risk of dementia, Um, but it's equally important to have it checked out for other reasons, because uh, I say this as a man who's paranoid about my hearing because I was born congenitally deaf in one ear. So I always look after the other one. And recently in my fifties, I had it tested and noticed a little bit of a drop. Um, now the issue there might be that uh, over time, if I'm not picking up uh, information, I actually might appear more confused than I might actually am. So the importance of things like hearing aids um, working um, will help us to be both engaged and also avoid other risks because if we don't deal with those sort of things, we can become more socially isolated and obviously the associated depression that can come with those sort of things. So the interaction so and the social connection is quite important, it sounds like. Absolutely. All of those things that we have to recognise are happening as part of the ageing process need our care and attention uh, you know our um for example even the light levels in somebody's own home will be important uh because the level of light we need uh needs to be double in our 70s and 80s as we would have needed in our 30s and 40s so all of those important things to ensure that we can still see uh, the food that we're eating on the table to um, engaging in activities that we join. You know, a lot of people enjoy things like sewing and that, uh, and it might sometimes be simple adjustments around them uh, that will be important to ensuring that they remain engaged. Uh, and all of the positive benefits of having your brain engaged uh, as part of that. Um, so we, ha- we have to be aware of our senses and how they are changing and uh, make sure we've got those compensations in place. 
just out of curiosity, what is the connection between hearing loss and dementia? This isn't. This has got nothing to do with people who might have listened to a lot of loud music in their twenties. No, look, the exact because of it. No, look, the exact mechanism of the association is at this stage uh, not completely known. It's just become a clear indicator of a risk factor of around nine to ten percent. So it's it's one of those things that if you're looking at uh, screening, so for example, the National Health Service in Wales have made it a mandatory part of their screening process for dementia just last week, I believe. So the recognition that when you're uh, looking at what might be going on, that you need to not be just narrowed to um, what we traditionally might have looked at more, which is changes in memory alone. Um, uh, in fact, we have... Um, uh, an audio book uh, by somebody with dementia called Talking Sense. It's you know free for people to listen to that talks about all of those sensory changes that might also be indicators of something changing. Colin, so we it's talk just about... one of a number of variables. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We should be we should be looking at a, a range of things, um, uh, and then just as a, because whether you have dementia or not. Um, if, if they're not being attended to, um, uh, then you're going to have um, more um, problems. Uh, you know, a, a, a weird fact is that a lot of people have their wisdom teeth taken out. Um, your wisdom teeth, your back teeth actually help you uh, uh, move along the wax in your ears and your ear canals get um, narrower as you get older. So, um, you know, it, for, for example, if you've had your, your back teeth removed, it's worth making sure that you're doing um, a ear cleansing um, a carefully, carefully to make sure that actually the problems you're having or the isolation uh, or the are, are appearing more confused because you're actually not getting all the information in there. Whether you have dementia or not, it's going to make things appear worse. Um, so uh, that sort of ear hygiene um, is really important, but also equally uh, all of the stuff about uh, our visual perceptions, light perceptions. And a very simple thing is the, uh, the average um, uh, person's eye muscles are weakening as they get older, which means that uh, under uh, discs in their spine are um, drying out. So what we, as we know, we get shorter. So that means that the visual field that we should be um, uh, for example, we are uh, we do a lot of work on design, and we recommend that uh, signs should be uh, 1.2 meters from the base of the floor. So, but often when they're fitting signs to help you find your way around a, a shopping center or find the toilets, it's a bloke of six foot that's fit this, fitted the sign, and he's fitted it to his house, not uh, the person who actually is trying to find their way. So, there's all of these multiple layers of if we want our citizens as they age to be. Uh, engaged and successful in being part of their communities, we've got to adapt our environments to support them. Colin, you mentioned that um, it's important to keep your mind active. And so sometimes you hear about the need to, to have what they call cognitive fitness, doing puzzles or crosswords. Um, what's the, I guess, what are your tips around um, uh, mental activity, but also things like physical activity? So. Um, physical activity, if I deal with first, uh, is, um, as you will know well in your work, uh, a good uh, cardiac health is always going to help you. And, uh, you know, everything from your diet um, uh, to uh, in ensuring that you're reducing your stress, uh, all of those things are going to help you. Um, uh, 
for a range of reasons, but when we think about types of dementia, because obviously dementia is an umbrella term for conditions like Alzheimer's and vascular dementia, then as, as the name suggests, then good vascular care. Um, so healthy heart, healthy mind is going to be really important to assist you. When it comes to things like um, uh, looking after your brain, there's no doubts that um, uh, making sure that you've got good patterns of mental activity and, and do, doing things uh, like uh, jigsaws and things like that, help your cognitive reserve. Um, uh, so in term, from a um, socioeconomic point of view, uh, 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 there's no doubts that uh, people who have had a good educational background probably have more of that cognitive reserve to draw on. Um, the jury's more out on the idea of uh, investing in brain training. Um, the research there is uh, is not conclusive from my point of view, and, and there's plenty of debate out there. Um, but in some ways, it would be wrong to suggest don't do it because all the ways that you are um, challenging yourself will help. It tends to be, say, the evidence there tends to suggest that it's giving you um, assistance in one area of uh, brain reserve. Uh, so the suggestion and the advice would be to be uh, uh, eclectic in the things that are stimulating you and, and challenging your brain. So they shouldn't just be about uh, uh, learning a new language, which is definitely a good one, um, uh, or playing board games. It should be about other things that are stimulating uh, your brain um, and equally going back to that thing of not being socially isolated. It's as important to uh, uh, ensure that we don't uh, create environments where people uh, don't feel that they can go out of their house because the whole world is just too challenging for them. So uh, it's all of those things uh, on multi-layered, even down to um, uh, the way we support, uh, people talk a lot about dementia-friendly communities. I'm not a fan of that term because I just think we should have friendly communities for our aging citizens um, uh, and our approach to be calm and aware um, and to think about days that uh, our supermarkets are more tailored to that pace of slowing things down and not being impatient uh, about the person who might need a little bit more time. All of these things are reducing stress um, and all of us need to recognize that when we sometimes see somebody later in life who might be struggling, um, that we all have these challenges. If you overload somebody's brain, um, I challenge anybody not to think about when they've had to go back out of a room because they can't remember why they went in there um, and probably have a sip of coffee and then suddenly remember what it was that they were trying to do to get out of the house in the morning when they were trying to think about 10 things. Uh, so why would we do that uh, if it if we know it happens to all of us that brain overload means that we just have to stop uh, then one of the other things is to reduce that stress and overload in somebody with uh, dementia who's trying to navigate the communities they're in how are we doing in terms of um looking after our senior citizens in society in general, because it, it, it's, it's something that talk, gets talked about a lot. Um, and it feels like it, the conversation is growing, but there's still, um, it, it, you still hear a lot of reports saying that you know, there's a lot of work to be done there. Look, there is a lot of work to be done. And of course, different countries, um, uh, I'm, I'm privileged in my job to get to talk to people and visit different countries. Australia, from my point of view, um, uh, has a lot of things that are really progressive happening, um, but there's just not enough of it and it's not um, widespread enough. Um, 
so compared to other countries, there uh, Australia's actually led the way, and it was one of the attractions for me as an Irishman to come and live here. Um, when I was started working in dementias because of our work in the design of residential services. So we have a lot of really great examples, including in um, uh, the state you're in um, with Brightwater, um, who are a provider there, who've uh, championed that small domestic model of care. Again, going back to how do we help people who uh, are citizens and support them well, uh, larger, noisy, unfamiliar environments are going to be more challenging to navigate. So those small domestic uh, cottage environments, which the Royal Commission has firstly championed uh, in recognising as important. Actually, the research papers on that have come out of Australia. They were done in South Australia um, at Flinders. So um, there, there's fantastic stuff in that space coming out of uh, Australia that while we've known internationally, Australia seems to be the loudest voice there. Where we need to do more, where I'd say our scorecard's not good enough, is uh, in our community supports. Um, they could be more prolific, and I realise that there are a lot of challenges with the nature and size and, uh, and population of our country. Um, but that's where I think we need to focus a greater effort, because otherwise the default will be residential care when perhaps a community option um, could have um, prevented that. That's often a very uh, big um, transition point for families as they are considering how to look after elderly parents who may be home alone, but are needing increasing levels of support. Um, so in terms of uh, creating the right environment, Colin, do you have some simple uh, suggestions for what families can do to put in place at home or even what um, service, health services like us, clinical supports that we could put in place to support those families? Uh, well, look, I'll pick on yourselves first, which is um, uh, double appointments, which I, 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 I'm sure many people do. We recognize that with people who have intellectual disability, that those uh, additional time is important because you need to allow uh, for that pace. Um, so, uh, uh, the environments uh, then need to be assessed. Uh, if we if we think about practical tips in somebody's home, the temptation is to go with the trend of today. So what are uh, what are the ways? Uh, and when we uh, our loved ones, we want their houses to be beautiful, and we might be getting involved as a carer in the refurbishment of them. There are things that we might unintentionally make mistakes about, and even IKEA these days um, have started to recognise that in some of their work. They've actually been looking at uh, dementia-friendly pack kit houses. So what are some of the common mistakes? A white bathroom. We all think that our lovely white bathrooms, they they um, they look hygienic, they're lovely, there's great light there. But actually, one of the friends of an aging eye and somebody with dementia is contrast. Um, so um, if you walk into the new toilet with a white toilet seat, a white or a very pale background on it, um, actually the person might, uh, who's cognitively challenged might not spot that that's actually a toilet anymore because they might see a sea of white uh, and therefore their um, incontinence that has happened any elsewhere might be what I would describe as environmental incontinence because they just didn't see and clock that it was a toilet. So a simple transition for that is to choose a contrasting toilet seat so the, the pan stands out. And I know I'm talking, I'm in the toilet talk. We actually have a free book called Toilet Talk because it's, it, as you know, these are the things that can tip 
the care burden over and result in so you know continence is one of the most common uh, reasons that people feel they can no longer care at home. So these little management uh, of that. Um, so that might be include at night leaving the bathroom light on and leaving the door slightly ajar so that if the person gets up, they are drawn and cued to the bathroom rather than the porch light. You know, so if somebody's uh, tired and they've got dementia um, and the only light that they see is the porch light and they open the door and they end up outside and suddenly we've got a whole lot of other health and emergency services involved in what's being described as wandering behavior, but a simple redirection might help a problem not occur. It might occur later, but these little tips, uh, I, I most people's bathroom doors are the same color as all their other um, doors. So, uh, uh, you know, an alternative is maybe a picture of a, uh, of a, um, of the toilet on the door. So that might be another way to cue the person to that. Not necessarily the words. We are a multicultural society and that person may no longer recognize the English word for toilet. Um, so I always go for a symbol because it's uh, it, it sort of supersedes that. And I would age myself here, which is not the matchstick man or woman because that's as old as me and I'm 53. So most people that you, you'll be working with um, uh, who have dementia or these challenges are the next generation up from me and they don't recognize that as a symbol. So it's all of these little things um, uh, that can help. Uh, downstairs in the kitchen now, um, my other tip would be don't hide everything. Uh, don't hide the fridge behind a cupboard door that um, makes it look lovely and blend into a whole suite uh, there because you want that person to find the milk. Um, you want that person to find the tea um, so closed cupboards that all look the same color doesn't, you know, when people say, oh, he's not drinking enough. Well, he can't see anything. You know, we can't naturally make his cup of tea because we're not leaving those simple cues out there for them. So open shelves are a great thing. Um, uh, and, and the things you want that person to maybe do that day when you're popping out to the shops, like leave the tea caddy out, leave the kettle out and set that the person can see and be cued to make those sort of decisions. It's interesting. It sounds like our world's just not designed for them at all. Absolutely. I mean, look, uh, with the best of intentions, sometimes um, uh, places can be uh, a nightmare for particular reasons. Um, uh, for example, when we have conferences um, in hotels, um, uh, all the people with dementia that we bring there, um, we have to have a body for them because, of course, hotels need to have carpets that are really um, easy to clean uh, because they've got a lot of people coming through. So what do they do? They create big swirly patterns. Um, uh, now, uh, a, a classic of that for me was um, I came from, I was working in Scotland before I came here. So there's lots of tartan carpets. And I remember a woman with dementia telling me, um, be careful, son, she said, because she was trying to work out how to step over this square on this tarpon carpet because she was seeing the contrast as a problem then because she saw a hole in the ground that she was trying to step around. Now, we know if somebody's trying, you know, our um, our dexterity and our mobility change a little bit as we go older, but we want to reduce people slowing down. Um, trying to get to something like the toilet. So it sounds like I'm obsessed about toilets, but equally uh, navigating around a hole that they might perceive in the floor could mean that they uh, accidentally fall over. And we all know that um, a hip um, issue with somebody with dementia is not a good thing because um, uh, hospitals 
very important things are are very busy noisy places so it's it's very understandable to to put ourselves into the shoes of someone who may be suffering early dementia or, or progressed dementia and um, a lot of these changes uh, make sense but we, we they won't be intuitive for us um, if if we don't have family members in that situation um, what does the evidence show, Colin, in terms of if we make these changes and create the right supports at home, um, are the prospects better for keeping someone at home in the community rather than have them in residential care? Again, Australia has actually led the way on this. Over 20 years ago, um, uh, Professor Henry Berdadi and uh, a, a former colleague of mine, Meredith Gresham, did work that showed that if we invest time early on, um, through organizations like Dementia Australia in supporting carers to have the information they need, um, then that can really help. And a good example of that is a study we did for the Australian government, uh, which is called um, Going to Stay at Home. And what we uh, did was bring uh, 100 uh, sets of couples together who um, uh, needed respite. Um, and uh, we, we had two theories. One was, Actually, it's quite stressful to be separated from the person that you're caring for with dementia. So why are we putting that stress on the care? Why can't they holiday together? And why don't we take the opportunity of that time to see if, if we use that week's break to bring those carers together when they're with their loved ones as a group and educate them? And we found um, that as we followed those uh, groups over time, that, uh, that uh, people, uh, the carers had more resilience because they knew what was coming. They knew who to draw on. We were preparing them uh, to have the capacity and tap into the resources they need because we educated them during that week on uh, having Dementia Australia come to them, talking to OTs and social workers about the resources they might need. So they were more prepared and uh, the uh, study uh, indicated that people uh, were able to support people at home for longer, which is obviously our primary goal. But if we obviously also think about the fact that we need to manage our dollars well, then that's good because it obviously costs less to care for somebody at home than it does in residential care. What are the, what are the resources available for carers if there's somebody who, you know, might have to go on that journey? It sounds like from everything I've heard, it's, it's a full-time job. Is, is Absolutely. that correct? Oh, look, it absolutely is. And the resources are uh, not always consistent. Um, uh, particularly, I know uh, it, it gets flagged that it's even more complicated um, when somebody has um, a younger dementia, um, which has to be said, the majority of people um, with dementia are older. But, you know, 90% of people who get dementia are in their 70s and 80s, but occasionally people can get uh, dementia in their um, 50s and 60s. Um, which um, I think we're less um, prepared for um, in terms of that's a massive change. People can be losing their jobs and things like that. Uh, the NDIS obviously is offering great opportunities there now that weren't there before. Um, but I think I, I always start with um, uh, Ring Dementia Australia um, as you, uh, because they are here for, uh, they're a national body. This is their area of expertise and they are particularly there for carers and people with dementia and to help people navigate. And they've got a lot of really great resources. When things become more complicated and sometimes uh, one of the things that again can lead uh, people to think about care um, 
is that behavior sometimes can change. Now, I've given you a whole load of examples of ways that if we adapt, um, we can try and avoid those things. Another good example that I always encourage uh, doctors to be thinking about, because uh, it's an area I've researched a lot on in our uh, a study called Intervene, um, is that uh, pain's a real issue for people. Uh, you, you know that yourselves, that the probability of arthritic pain, particularly for women, uh, increases. And um, you can imagine the, the challenge if you've got dementia and your pain needs are not being well met. Um, uh, and so, for example, um, uh, I'm privileged uh, to run a team uh, on behalf of the federal government called Dementia Support Australia. Um, we support people across Australia when um, behaviour does change to get the right advice and support, either at home or in residential care. But a very common thing in over 60% of referrals, um, pain is not well managed. And if you can imagine, um, uh, it's early where you are in WA at the moment. So uh, uh, around 6.30 in the morning, uh, you know, probably somebody who's been lying still all night, who's moved um, in their arthritic joint without their pain relief, might give out a few expletives to you or push you away. Uh, now, if it, that was me doing that, I'd quickly correct myself and apologize for why I did that. But for somebody with dementia, they may not be able to draw and explain to you clearly. And suddenly they'd be seen, be seen as difficult or challenging. Uh, so those sort of um, other needs, um, you, you know, we know this. You need to see the whole person, not the dementia. It is somebody living with dementia, not a, a, a demented person. You know, those old terms, you've got to reverse our emphasis on uh, and make sure that we're meeting all their health needs and their environmental needs and um, empowering them to remain citizens. Um, that um, uh, Talking Sense book I'm uh, referring to um, is actually um, written by somebody with dementia. Now, she couldn't, uh, Agnes couldn't write that book on her own. She um, uh, threw a whole load of information at us and we got a, an author to work with her, but it's her book, you know, so don't think that people with dementia should be written off as citizens um, with a view about their care going forward as well. So you should be taking the time to understand what that person's point of view is and what the background is. Absolutely. Um, to, to understand their behavior a little bit more. It's the most common thing that we need to do. And certainly if I think about um, uh, th that program, Dementia Support Australia, um, it's the starting point is who is this person? What's their background? What might be leading to these sort of behaviors? I am from Northern Ireland. Um, when I was uh, uh, working in care homes and uh, involved uh it was common for us to hear about um, uh, uh, people, uh, men um, in a care home, pushing other people and hurting them. And what would you just go and discover? This is a policeman. Uh, and the, the nurse call system just went off and created a beeping noise. He's actually doing his job. He's actually trying to protect you. But of course, he's a big bloke and he's hurting you and he's not taking a no for an answer. But he's suddenly been seen as difficult. Well, get rid of your noisy nurse call system and go to a pager system and stop creating problems for them. So you're absolutely right. I could bore you uh, with story after story of the first job is to know the person, know their culture, know their history, um, uh, because that is going to uh, lead to success. But why is that um, 
in many ways, that's like um, stating the sky is blue here. You know, surely that's what we would all expect. Sadly, it's not as common as it should be when somebody uh, has needs with dementia. Colm, thank you so much for all those tips. Um, and you mentioned uh, dementia is also occurring in, in younger uh, people, younger Australians. Um, I saw recently there, there may be a link between concussion and the onset of dementia. Um, are there any, just as closing remarks, any other advice from a prevention point of view for, uh, for those that might be concerned about dementia, if there's a, a history in the family? Um, there are, um, uh, Still Alice is a good example of a movie where I had a lot of people talking to me about that type of dementia. I have to say it was a very rare generic Gen, uh, genetic form of dementia. So I, I want to reassure people uh, uh, while a, a valid story, but there are certainly no doubts that the um, it's been known for many years and in the UK in particular, um, the recognition has increased significantly over the last 18 months to two years on the impacts of um, uh, sports like heading uh, those old heavy leather balls or um, I'm a rugby union player by background, you know, um, those uh, knocks on the head are not good uh, and they are a risk factor. Uh, and I know that uh, there's significant discussion happening now about whether some of these sports need to adapt and change or certainly more protective head um, headgear and things like that. Whereas in the past, they were seen as a... Uh, uh, Maybe not, uh, what do you call being tough enough? Um, uh, if you were wearing them, well, actually 100% you should. If you're going to play those sort of games, wear the protective headgears. Um, uh, I, I think the other things uh, to look after yourself are all of those things that I've said uh, for whatever age. There's no doubts, uh, and there's a brilliant lecture on this, that there's certain things you should be doing. A particular age is, um, you know, in your 50s, uh, it, it can be confusing um, the amount of advice out there about what you should do. And sometimes people say, but you told me to drink a glass of red wine and now you're telling me not to. I realize what people get confused. Um, so for example, it's strong advice in your 50s to get that um, band around your belly reduced because it is known to be a significant factor. Um, uh, and um, uh, I've done a bit about that myself because that's, you know, the advice is, um, is strong on those sort of things. Uh, what I would say in terms of uh, yeah, people with young, uh, younger uh, dementia is um, uh, it's it's the same sort of adv advice um, is is look after yourself um, and uh, again um, uh, dementia Australia have good advice for people um, uh, earlier. Um, sorry, I'm losing that one. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent there. You might want to cut that. <laughs> Oh, look, it's the same advice we hear for a range of different podcasts that we've done on a range of different conditions. So everybody seems to say the same thing, which is you've got to look after your body and take care of yourself and be active and fit and eat well and do all the right things to prevent some of these things. It seems to be a common thing. Absolutely. I mean, people do talk about cure. Um, I uh, uh, some of our work in, involves uh, some clinical trials, and I would say that the main message is there are treatments that will um, come, but not uh, you know for maybe a decade that will um, 
probably reduce the um, onset of certain symptoms, meaning that the impact on our lives will be less because uh, uh, in terms of, you know, the reality that uh, being born also means that we die. So um, it's about trying to um, push those uh, impacts and uh, on our lives further down uh, the aging process, uh, the, uh, the older we get. So hopefully those treatments are gonna help us uh, not have the same impacts Unfortunately, uh, the biggest um, care is to uh, do all that healthy heart brain stuff. The only other one to call out, which I don't think gets enough attention under that umbrella, is, is the relationship with um, alcohol. Alcohol-related dementia exists. Um, it stands to reason, therefore, that manage your alcohol intake sensibly because that is one thing young people are not realizing that binge drinking will have an impact when you're older um, uh, and hasn't had an impact in Australia. But one of the ways to address that is moderate drinking um, uh, or stop drinking. Colm, thank you so much. Um, such rich um, uh, advice and practical tips. I'm going to get my hearing checked and uh, look after my waist circumference and um, you know, stay fit. I, I think brain overload resonates with me. I get that uh, now, I, it feels like. So thank you so much. And um, we look forward to inviting you to our clinics um, and talking to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. Lovely to be on.